Play ball. Round the internet we go, where we end up no one knows. Sit back and enjoy the show, down the baseball rabbit hole, down the baseball rabbit hole. Hello, and welcome to the second inning of the Baseball Rabbit Hole Podcast. It's the Baseball History Podcast, where I look up a question about baseball and follow the rabbit holes that that question opens in the internet. If you were like me, opening day is a blessing. Spring training is good for about a minute, but I can only watch number 87, who doesn't even have a name on his jersey for so long, before I want to see the real deal. I want to see who makes the team, who goes to the big leagues. And then that got me going towards the opening day, which is what I'm hoping for at that moment. And it got me thinking, which team has the most wins on opening day? So, hey, let's jump down that rabbit hole and see what we find. I have to say, I was a bit surprised when I found an article by David Adler on MLB.com they told me the New York Mets were the best team on opening day. I mean, the, the Mets were not even a team until 1962, so how could they have more wins than teams like Cincinnati, who was the first professional team in 1869, almost 100 years earlier? Well, the answer is, they do not have the most wins. The Mets have the best winning percentage in opening day starts at 661, but not total wins. Okay, well, that makes more sense. But that wasn't really the question that I was looking for. I, I just wanted to know the actual number. Who has the most wins? I want to know what the record is of the team that has the most wins on opening day. Um, the next thing I found was that the Reds hold the record for the most consecutive opening day wins with nine stretching from 1983 to 1991. And they share this record with the Detroit Tigers, who won nine straight opening days from 2009 to 2017. Um, That was interesting, but it still did not answer my question. Which team has the most opening day victories? The answer was a bit of a surprise, considering their extensive lack of success in the postseason. But the Chicago Cubs have the most wins on opening day in the history of Major League Baseball with an 81, 62, and 2 record through 2023. I mean, this does make more sense because the Chicago Cubs, known as the White Stockings back then, were one of the eight founding teams of the league along with the Cincinnati Red Stockings, the Philadelphia Athletics, St. Louis Brown Stockings, the Louisville Grays, the New York Mutuals, and the Hartford Dark Blues, and the Boston Redcaps, who switched up their name to not be confused with Cincinnati. And as soon as I saw those names, I immediately fell down another rabbit hole. I wanted to know more about those eight teams. And when I come back, I will continue the history of the original eight MLB teams and the first opening day. Welcome back to the baseball rabbit hole, where I was going to talk about the first eight teams in the National League. Unfortunately, before I can even get to that, I found another rabbit hole that took me to the National Association, which was a professional baseball league before the National League. 
The National Association was formed in 1871 with nine teams, including the Boston Red Stockings, the Chicago White Stockings, the Philadelphia Athletics, and the New York Mutuals, who would go on to be founding members of the National League in 1876. Later, Two more of the original eight, the Hartford Dark Blues in 1874 and the St. Louis Brown Stockings in 1875, would also join the National Association. The first opening day for the National Association was played on May 4, 1871, between the forest cities of Cleveland and the Kikiongas of Fort Wayne in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And if you're wondering right now about the uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings, and what's going on with them and why I don't have them as playing the first opening day. It's because they were the first professional team, but they were not in a league. They were a team unto themselves. They were professionals, and they would go around and play other people. So if you don't have a league, that means you don't necessarily have a schedule to play against other people, so you don't necessarily have an opening day. So... Even though the Cincinnati Red Stockings were around in 1869, they didn't technically have an opening day because they weren't really part of a league. So getting back to 1871, um, that's why we have Forest City and Fort Wayne as the original opening day spot for the National Association. Um, The Philadelphia Athletics won that first championship in 1871, but then Boston won the next four in a row. One of the early team owners was William Holbert, who owned the Chicago White Stockings. The Chicago White Stockings were a part of the National Association for all five seasons, but they only played in three of those seasons. They could not play in 1872 and 1873 because of the Great Chicago Fire that burned down their field and most of the city, by the way, uh, just before the end of the first season. They got back to playing in 1874, and by 1875, Holbert was actually working behind the scenes to get some of the teams from the National Association to break off and form their own league. And in 1876, with six of the teams from the National Association, along with two independent teams, the Louisville Grays and the Cincinnati Red Stockings, he started the National League. Holbert claimed he had created the National League due to the corruption, mismanagement, gambling, and drunkenness of players in the National Association. He wanted to create a stronger league that could keep the players and the teams under more control. What isn't often mentioned is that Holbert was really annoyed about how weak the player contracts were. He claimed to want stronger contracts in place to hold players accountable for any of the aforementioned drunkenness and gambling. The other part of having stronger contracts was that Holbert wanted to make it so that players could not leave for other teams. This led to owners and teams being able to control and exploit players for the next 100 years. But that is a rabbit hole much too big to go into here. It should also be noted that in 1875, Holbert was swiping all of the best players he could from the Red Stockings and the Athletics. He got Al Spalding, the best pitcher in the league, from the Red Stockings, along with four more of their players. He also got Cap Anson, the best player in the National League, away from the Athletics. If he had not started his own league, 
the White Stockings would have faced sanctions from the National Association for the theft of these players. So, yeah, the guy who wanted stronger contracts to keep people from stealing players was the guy who was stealing all the players. So he was able to get this league up and running, and on April 22nd, 1876, the Philadelphia Athletics hosted the Boston Redcaps in the first MLB game in history. This was a matchup of the only two champions from the National Association. Because if you remember, the Athletics won the first one, and the Red Stockings, who then became the Redcaps because Cincinnati claimed the Red Stockings name, won the championship in the other four years. I mean, that sounds like a pretty marquee matchup. That's the way to start the league, I guess. Anyway, the Red Caps beat the Athletics 6-5 to in that game, and the league was off and running. Major League Baseball recognizes this second formation of a professional baseball league as the first major league, even though six of the teams actually transferred over from the National Association. So, for the purposes of this episode, I'm only going to talk about the eight teams who were playing in that 1876 season. And we will get to that right after this short break. Hey, this is the part of the show where I would normally tell you, go to my Patreon and support the show. But here's the thing. If you really want to support the show monetarily, hit me up on PayPal or Venmo at mcotton2019. That's the same for both of them. And you can give me money there if you'd like. Otherwise, if you really want to do something Patreon style, go to Patreon for Sonranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. And that's where I do my other podcast. You can give money there and that would also support what I do. Hey, everybody. You know what this podcast needs? More listeners like you. If you want to help me out, Please share this podcast around to your friends and let them all know that they should subscribe as well. Another way to support the podcast would be to give me a five-star rating somewhere on the internet wherever podcasts are rated. Thanks, and now back down the rabbit hole. I'm back, and let's start our tour through the eight original cities of the National League in Louisville, Kentucky, with the Grays. Before 1876, the Grays were an independent professional baseball team. The Louisville Grays are mostly unknown because they only lasted two seasons in the National League. In 1876, they were almost 500, with a 30, 33, and 3 record, which was good for fifth place out of the eight teams. By 1877, though, They'd figured out how to put the ball in play a bit better and had a first place record of 27 and 13 on August 13th, four games ahead of Boston. Over the next month, though, the Grays would drop eight of nine games, including seven straight. Their only win was against Cincinnati, who was the worst team in the league. The Louisville Grays team president, Charles E. Chase, Charlie Chase, really? I, I love some of the names. Um, so Charlie got two anonymous telegrams that his team was actually throwing those games. The league forced all the Louisville players to release all the Western Union telegrams they'd received throughout the season and determined that four players 
had actually been throwing the game. So think about that for a second. This was basically the 1877 equivalent of going through these players' text messages or maybe their social media, which is just kind of amazing. We think of that as a very modern thing, but way back in 1877, they were going through their they were going through players' Western Union telegrams. With this scandal exploding, the Grays finished in second place that season. Then the team folded because there was an investigation and those four players got banned and they just couldn't keep going after that. It was too big a blow. From Louisville, I went west to St. Louis. The St. Louis Brown Stockings were the first baseball team in St. Louis. This team laid the foundation for baseball in St. Louis, but they are not directly connected to the Cardinals. The Brown Stockings were formed in 1875 and joined the National Association in the final year of that league, where they finished fourth out of the 13 teams. In 1876, they finished in second place in the new National League. And they are officially, they were the second place team in that season because that's just how it worked. They didn't have a playoffs. The teams didn't play against each other. They were all in the same league. And whoever had the best record at the end of the year, they won. So, St. Louis was second. Except, they decided to challenge the champion Chicago White Stockings to an unofficial playoff series. St. Louis won the series and claimed the fictitious title champions of the west because they couldn't actually claim to be the champions of the league the fake title would be the pinnacle of this version of the team as they only lasted two seasons in 1877 they dropped to fourth out of only six teams and in an effort to make their team better they picked up two players from louisville those two players were part of that gambling scandal and the team got dragged down along with Louisville and declared bankruptcy before the 1878 season. Some of the players continued on playing as an independent barnstorming team until 1881 when they joined up with a new team and were one of the founding members of the American Association as the St. Louis Browns. But that's enough about St. Louis and their shenanigans. Now it's time to go to Hartford, Connecticut. The Hartford Dark Blues joined the National Association in 1874 and finished 7th out of 8 in their inaugural year. The following year, they got much better and finished 1875 in 2nd place, even though they were 18 and a half games back. In 1876, they finished 3rd in the first year of the National League, but that would be called into the question. They were six games back of Chicago, which was the same as St. Louis. And now, all of a sudden, we are sucked back into St. Louis shenanigans. St. Louis had a 703 winning percentage, which it was better than the 691 put up by the Dark Blues. The problem was that the Brown Stockings played four less games than the Dark Blues. Playing less games gave them an unearned advantage, which they then turned into a challenge of the Chicago White Stockings because they said that they were the second place team and were better. But in reality, they had played four less games 
and it's very possible they could have ended up in third place if they had played those games. Now, you might be thinking, oh man, those guys way back then doing all this stuff, but it's still happening. In 2020, the COVID-shortened season, the Cardinals did it again. They played two less games than both Miami and Cincinnati, which allowed them to jump into the five seed instead of the seven seed in the end of season tournament. Well, because the St. Louis Browns played less games, they technically ended up in second place, and the Hartford Dark Blues were struggling financially after 1876, and they ended up moving to Brooklyn, New York for the 1877 season, where they changed their name to the Brooklyn Hartfords because good team names are hard, I guess. Uh, The move to Brooklyn did not fix their financial issues, and the team disbanded after that 1877 season. I'm not saying that that first season getting third place was the downfall of that team. I'm sure there was lots of other things, but it definitely did not help. Okay, let's head back west now to Philadelphia. Uh, The Athletics were formed as an amateur team in 1860. They switched to professional baseball in 1871 with the beginning of the National Association. They became the first champions in professional baseball by finishing two games ahead of Boston that year. They stayed in the top half of the National Association for the next four years before becoming founding members of the National League. Despite being around for 15 years and being one of the most competitive professional teams, Philadelphia finished 7th out of 8 teams in 1876 and fell on hard times financially. Because back then, wins truly did relate to how much money these teams could make. These financial struggles uh, led to some problems at the end of the season because they couldn't afford to travel anymore Um, and then they just refused to play away games teams would go to Philadelphia and play games there but when it was time for Philadelphia to go to their stadium they wouldn't go and it would just be a forfeit of a game which is terrible because then you don't get people coming in and buying tickets to a game that doesn't happen so that actually hurt the entire league really And because of this, the league kicked them out after the season. So now from Philly, let's head back to New York, just jumping all over the East Coast now. The Mutual Baseball Club of New York had a similar story to the Athletics. They formed in 1857 as an amateur club and were one of the better teams, though they never did win any championships. They were founding members of the National Association in 1871 and were decent, but by the time the National League started, they were cash-strapped. They also refused to travel. They wouldn't go west to games towards the end of the season. And then, so they would travel, you know, kind of east coast, closer places, but not out west to, say, Chicago. Yeah, that was west in this league. So they were also kicked out after the 1876 season, And that's why they've kind of been forgotten in history. Because they really only just lasted that one season. Speaking of headed out west, let's go to Chicago. The team, officially known as the Chicago Baseball Club, 
was formed in 1870, and they were a part of the formation of the National Association and remained affiliated with that league from 1871 to 1875, as I said earlier. But they only played in three of those seasons because the Chicago Fire of 1871 forced the team to not play at all for two seasons. Instead of shutting down completely, though, their owner and president, William Holbert, maintained the team within the National Association so that they would be able to return as soon as they could. And they were able to do that in 1874 and then 1875 before trashing that league and becoming the National League. In 1876, the Chicago White Stockings won the first championship of the National League. And the team won eight championships from 1876 to 1908. The Cubs have the distinction of being the only team to have played in the same city since their inception in 1870. And, if not for the Chicago Fire, would be the longest-running team in the history of baseball. Instead, that honor goes to one of our remaining two teams, and it's time to go to Boston. Boston is the only other remaining team to be both a founding member of the National Association and the National League. They were founded in 1870 as the Boston Red Stockings and exploded onto the scene by winning four of the five championships in the National Association and then winning two of the first three championships in the National League for six titles in seven years. The team would remain in Boston until 1953, only they did change their name a couple of different times and ended up most of the time being called the Boston Braves. Despite their early success, they did not have much success at all, and so in 1953, they ended up moving to Milwaukee. They made a go of it in Milwaukee for about 13 years, and then they decided they needed to move again, and they went to Atlanta. So that is where the Atlanta Braves came from. They were originally the Boston Red Stockings who played in the very first game of Major League Baseball. And they started at the same time as the White Stockings, but because the White Stockings had to take that break because of the Chicago Fire, the Atlanta Braves are actually the longest continually running franchise in Major League Baseball history. All right. Well, that leaves us with just one team. And it's time to finally talk about the Cincinnati Reds. When I started this episode, I was under the assumption that the Cincinnati Reds were the oldest franchise in baseball and that they must have played the first opening day in history. Part of the reason I thought this is because Cincinnati always gets opening day at home and in most of those years, they were given the honor of starting the season with the very first pitch. But apparently not. The real story is that the Cincinnati Reds that currently play in Major League Baseball are not even direct descendants of that first Cincinnati team. Many of the players left Cincinnati to play in Boston in 1870, which is the team I just talked about. So Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Red Stockings were the first professional baseball team. But that original team in Cincinnati just folded after losing all the different players that jumped to Boston. 
and they weren't even part of the National Association that formed in 1871. Cincinnati still loved baseball, but they weren't part of that National Association. They actually formed a new team in Cincinnati for the 1876 season and the National League beginning. And they were also called the Red Stockings. That team did not play their first game until three days after Boston opened the season that year. So they weren't even the opening day team in the first recognized year of Major League Baseball. To get even further distance, this second iteration of the Cincinnati Red Stockings are not related to the current team either. The Red Stockings only lasted four seasons before falling out of the National League. In 1880, the Cincinnati Stars took the vacant spot and played one season before getting kicked out of the National League for selling beer and renting their stadium on Sundays. This led to the formation of the American Association of Baseball, which was a rival league to the National League from 1882 to 1891. The league formed in Cincinnati with a third Red Stockings team as a part of this new league that did sell beer and play baseball on Sundays. That was the big draw of the American Association. I will have to get into that on a later episode. So Cincinnati getting opening day is not actually connected to them being the first professional baseball team. It's actually due to the fact that Cincinnati was one of the more southern teams in the 1800s, and the American Association started in Cincinnati. The southern location, as well as it being the home of the league, made it a no-brainer to be the location for opening days in the American Association. When the Reds switched to the National League in 1890, their business manager, Frank Bancroft, began marketing opening day as a big deal every year. And he played up the idea that Cincinnati was the home of opening day. Nobody argued because opening day in Cincinnati had become one of the biggest games of the year. And the visiting teams were getting a cut of that money. By 1900, opening day in Cincinnati was already a baseball tradition. Every year since, the Reds have been scheduled at home and for over 100 years had the honor of the first pitch each year. The only season the Reds were scheduled to open on the road was in 1990 after the owner lockout pushed the season back by a week. So they created a new schedule which had the Reds opening the season in Houston. And then in 2022, when another owner lockout pushed the season back again by a week and they opened the season in Atlanta. So since 1882, the Reds have been scheduled at home on opening day 137 times out of 139 seasons. Now, starting in 1995 and intermittently thereafter, the MLB schedules one or two early games as the official opening games of the season, with the rest of the league starting a day or two later. But opening day in Cincinnati is still considered by most to be the true beginning of the baseball season. And with that, I'm going to get out of this rabbit hole. One question about opening day, and I ended up learning about the origins of professional baseball and that Chicago and Atlanta are the only teams that have ever made it from the beginning. So that was really interesting because I thought it was Cincinnati. But that is enough for this rabbit hole today. Uh, So until next time, keep rounding them bases. You're up!
out. This episode of The Baseball Rabbit Hole was written by Michael Cotton. It was edited by Michael Cotton. It was performed by Michael Cotton. It was recorded by Michael Cotton. Uh, it was mixed on Audacity. So that's not technically me. The computer kind of does that stuff. Um, I mean, I basically, I did everything on this except for the theme song. That was written, performed, produced, and recorded by Danny Rocket. Take it away, Danny. Round the internet we go, where we end up no one knows. Sit back and enjoy the show, down the baseball rabbit hole, down the baseball rabbit hole.